This morning I stand before you and I believe I am standing before God because my welcome introduction to Michigan was welcome to God's country. And so, dear believers, I count it a very solemn responsibility to stand before you and share from the Word of God. I am a teacher by profession. So for those of you who may be waiting to hear theological expositions, I ask you to dig deep into my message that I revisit quite often because I believe it has helped me. And so I'm talking this morning from what I have come to realize has been part of what is close to me because I believe God spoke to me through this person, the lame man at Bethesda. But as I told you, I am a teacher by profession. So I've got to share something from that field. So let me take you with me to this body of water. This body of water that you see out here is a satellite picture of Michigan. So I, talk, I thought I'll talk to you of something that you can relate and you can come along with me. Because you are not with one but many bodies of water. This is the birthplace of the teaching, preaching and healing ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so is it. God's country and the bodies of water. And what is it that makes you stay at the pool? Pastor Bernardo spoke with me the other day. In fact, he was one of the third ones to get in touch with me before I actually stepped foot here. And I want to thank him for allowing me to share his pulpit. I know we all are upholding here his family in prayer during his time of recovery. Bodies of water. You and I go to bodies of water for healing. And Michigan, I believe, is a place of healing. I believe it is a place where Jesus spent a lot of time too at bodies of water. So I visited this story, the body of water. A simple picture out there for me to explain to you a little bit more on this body of water. Notice a pool or a lake 
this pool or lake, when you study it, we are studying about the lentic systems. Now, having spent a little time on paleo lakes, I thought it would be good to bring out a little bit more so that we can understand what this pool in Bethesda was like. It was actually a pond, but still it's a body of water. Notice that body of water has a width, it has a length, and it has a depth surrounding it with a certain perimeter so that it was enclosed subsurface. Having said that, notice there is this volume of water. This volume of water was enclosed and it got filled in by sediments because of runoff. Precipitation would take place and of course whatever is on the continent would run off into the lake. And then the lake would get filled with these organic sediments and the organisms there would thrive. And as the organisms thrived, things would happen because sunlight would fall down, fall through. The water column would be penetrated by this sunlight. And plants would grow. Organisms would grow. And of course, as the seasons change, the temperature of the water column would change variably. Thermocline, as it does so, the pH of the water also would change. You got the inland lakes and you got the saline lakes. As the pH would change and the organic material would flow in, we had what we call as, or we have what we call as chemical stratification. Because these chemicals are at different levels. But they wouldn't stay that way. They would circulate because of the variable temperatures in the water column. So, for those of you who like journals, I just pulled out something from 1948. Because Battle Creek is 150 years, Battle Creek Academy is 150 years old. So I want to go back in time and bring to you, in a temperate climate, how does it happen? You have the temperature being constant in that body of water, or you can have a two-phase zone of temperature. You can have the body of water alternating between chemical stratifications, or it could be a homogeneous zone. 
But the pool of Bethesda was not in America. The pool of Bethesda was in an area that had more of a tropical climate. So I was trying to figure out what really went on at that pool. Because that's what science tells me. Asks me to ask the question, how, how does it happen? And so I looked at it carefully and I noticed that it's a little different. Someone told me in Michigan you have two seasons. I, I don't want to bore you with those things, but you know what I mean. But this is real time, nature's way of letting you know that the season has changed and the population the biome that lives within that area of the body of water now has new life and there is change in that body of water. And so, what was it that in the body of water in Bethesda that changed so much that the people wanted to rush there? Notice, the simple zones in a tropical pond or a lake. Because of the convectional current, you had some movement, yes. So the movement, circulation taking place in this body of water, I notice also takes place out here in the pool of Bethesda. Now remember I asked the question, how? So I want to submit to you, you don't ask the question, how, in church. That's a no-no. Because as a scientist, I want to know, how does it happen? What is the process? Why do I say we should not ask that question in church? Because God taught me that through the story of John the Baptist father and mother the angel told John the Baptist father you're gonna have a son son me how well I'll tell you how until that you're going to be silent. I'm going to make you silent. God wants you and I to know who, not how. So there is this fine balance that we have. Who? I am God, God says. I am God. You trust in me. Don't worry about the, how will it happen? How did it happen? How will we do it? Because God says, I am God. But John the Baptist, just like myself, I want to know how. Tell me, give me your plan. How do you do it? You can read of umpteen stories in the Bible. 
where God shows, I am God, trust in me. Well, humans want to know how. I want to bring to your attention that uh, while it is the it is possible that the physical attributes of the body of water influence the circulation pattern that stirred the waters may I submit to you that at the wedding at Cana Jesus demonstrated that he knew all about altering the chemical stratification of water with the catch of fish Peter made he knew the relationship between light intensity in the column of water and where the density of fish would be he who parted the Red Sea and calmed the storm-tossed sea knew all about circulation patterns and so according to John 5 1 to 8 he confronts the man waiting to enter the stirred waters of Bethesda he was waiting for 38 years what keeps you at the pool let us pray Father God, I ask that as we dwell into your word that you burn our hearts so that we understand what you have written for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John 5, 1 through 8 I did not include nine. That was the scripture that was brought to us this morning. And I'm sure you looked at it. But I want us to, to revisit this scripture because it is very important for me. And I'm going to go through it with you. John 5, 1 to 8. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, yes, you read right, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, it had five porches. Sort of the Greek type, you know, you got these pillars and some, you know, covering. And there is this enclosure with the pool out there. Picture with me, people sitting around there. So we are talking now of the pool. And my point to you is, as we go along, I pose to you some questions. As those questions are posed, please take time to reflect on them because that is what I'm doing with myself. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Hmm. 
So, there are sick people in Michigan where there are bodies of water, just like in Bethesda. Hmm. There are blind people. Hmm. There are lame people, paralyzed people, waiting for the moving of the water. Why? For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Are the waters of Michigan being stirred so that you and I can be healed? Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water, ah, first. So there is first among equals. He was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be well? Do I want to be well? Do you want to be well? Jesus speaks to me this morning and he's speaking to you. The sick man answered, and I said to him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. This pool, it says, is about five to six feet deep, not very deep. But there are so many people around there. The pool at Bethesda is dubbed the Darwinian pool. When the angel stirs the water, the competition begins. It is each man for himself and God for us all. Survival of the fittest to get into the water. You got to be first. No love. Just despair to overcome the others. Here's another view. Please follow along. How is it possible that the lame man did not have any family or neighbors? 38 years? Any church family? I mean, at least neighbors? Surely to be around for 38 years, he must have had a network of people around him. So much so that he was dependent on them to take him to the waters when it was stirred. He couldn't go there. So he depended on someone to help him. Either disabled peop bodied people with abled minds or able bodied people with disabled minds were around him. I'm sure you're following me. And that's what kept them at the pool. 
Uh, let me repeat that. Either they were disabled-bodied people with able-bodied able minds, or they were able-bodied people with disabled minds, and they were happy for 38 years sitting out there at the pool. He probably had his sleeping bag, ragtag tent, camel skin water bottle, clay plate, all neatly tattered on the paved sidewalk as people dropped nickels and dimes. Quotes, nickels and dimes, because, you know, and on good days, some shekels. It was a profit to gain people business. You know, there are times I felt like the lame man sitting at the pool at Bethesda. Comfortable in the company of lame buddies like me. No, I don't mean my church buddies. But come to think of it, it can be anybody. My concern was on getting healed. A banded solution where a heart transplant was needed in my life. Seeking after a means to sustenance than claiming the promise to live a vision that I'm called to. I was more concerned of getting healed, not getting saved. This is me. So I revisit this story many times and therefore I share it with you. Then Jesus comes into the scene. He cuts the chaff and goes straight to the heart. Goes to the man and says, Do you want to be healed? Hmm. Want. Humans want. So it appeals to the man. The lame man. Want. I'm 38 years, I'm sitting out here and he's saying, want? Of course I want. But he doesn't get the full picture. Because Jesus is talking about something divine. Healing. Do you want? Of course, yes. Okay, he'll heal me, yes. And so, you know what goes on. This man was putting his hope in the stirred pool of Bethesda. And Jesus is standing there, asking him the question. He is saying to him, Okay, you are the guy, you take me, carry me and put me in the waters. He doesn't know who Jesus is. You and I behave that way sometimes. Do do I, do you, run the risk of putting my, putting your hope in the wrong place? You're looking for spiritual healing, financial healing, relationship healing. And I ask me, myself the same question. Many times we are maimed 
and our vision becomes obscure. Look at it carefully. Jesus is standing there, the lame man is there, and the pool is there. What is our focus on? Our focus is on the pool, or it can be the lame man. But Jesus is standing there. Tell me honestly the story of David and Goliath. What is the focus on? The focus is on the stone? The focus is on Goliath? Oh, maybe David. But what, is, what should the actual focus be? The God Almighty. And this morning I submit to you that I have struggled with this. And that is why I am sharing this with you. The woman at the well. What is more important, the well or the woman or the pot of water? Think about it, please. Gideon and the 300 men. Are you concerned about Gideon? Or are you looking at the 300 men? Or are you looking at how they were drinking water? What is your focus on? Elijah and the Shunammite woman. Focus on Elijah? Is it the oil? Is it the woman? And this morning I want to submit to you that I am digging deep into myself and I ask of you to do the same. Jesus goes to the pool and he shatters the model of the Darwinian pool. He was the true source of healing. Not something that stirs something out there. He is the direct source that you and I can go to. It was not about the lame man or the pool. And I resubmit to you, it's about Jesus. Verse 6. He has been there for 38 years and asked the man this question, do you want to be healed? Yes. Why does he ask the man this question? Because he wants the man to reflect. Think about it. Do you really want what I have? The man had already adjusted to that life he was sitting around there. Maybe he had been so accustomed that he didn't want to change. He says, okay, you're the next one. All right, it's fine. Because he had his network of things going on. It's a physical problem, but it has a spiritual lesson. I have, I have been complacent. Is that what it is? Or I do not see a way out. So, are you telling me that the man now is thinking and saying to Jesus, Lord, I have been complacent? Or is he saying to him, I have no way out? Do you want to be healed? God respects our will. Some of us are happy to go on living in our disabilities. 
But Philippians 4.8 says that God works our will within us. Where there is a will, there is a way. We assume that the man knew Jesus. But notice that Jesus was the one who went and initiated that conversation. And Jesus says to me, I'm ready to heal you. And his offer is no different to you. 38 years is a long time, believers of Battle Creek. The man was responsible for the way he was living, period. Now, please notice, Jesus did not analyze and say to, things to him. You know, how come you know, this, how come that, what, what about this, what about that? No! Jesus projected hope. The man did not know who Jesus was. And he had no idea, although Jesus was a well-known healer. The man wanted, so Jesus healed. But Jesus', is, Jesus plan is more than healing. With healing, he provides a vision. Have you been healed? I have three questions posted up for you to ponder. In which way has Jesus added an element to your life? What is the vision that he has brought to you? God gives a vision to be of service. Interestingly, the story does not end in verse 8. It has been a very encouraging story. And I know you should stop. Tells me that. Because you're very happy with the story here at Tabernacle Church. So you want to go home in peace. But Jesus encounters the man once more. A second time. He did not know Jesus. Even though he did not know Jesus, Jesus knew him. A beautiful thought. A comforting thought for me. Now notice, the man went his way. I didn't bring out verse 9, because Jesus got into trouble after that, because he did something on Sabbath. So I kept that verse out, because I might get into trouble with uh, the believers here. You see, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The guardians of the Sabbath were so protective that they did not care to recognize the Lord of the Sabbath. So they asked the man, who was it that healed you? And that's the clue that tells me that he did not know Jesus. Even though he did not know Jesus, Jesus knew him. Again, I repeat, the man went on his way. He was in communication with the rabbis. 
So, when Jesus met him the second time, he followed up, just like a good physician. He asked his patient, so how are you feeling now? How is that surgery that I did on you? Are you able to move your foot? You can walk well now? Is it cool? See? You have been made well. Sin no more. Lest a worse thing will come upon you. Go to verse 14 and believe what I am saying because that is what the scripture says. Jesus encounters a second time Stop sinning or something worse will happen. How have I responded to healing? Did Jesus address his behavior or did he strengthen his faith? As humans, we like to address behaviors. When Jesus as an example shows me that I should be strengthening another person's faith. Every now and then I revisit this recorded story to realign and keep focused. Looks like although his disabled body was healed, his behavior was tending to be spiritually lame. So this is something that caught my attention and helped me in my spiritual journey. Jesus creates a desire, instilling a vision. That's how he handles behavior. My dear believers at the Tabernacle Church here in Battle Creek, I keep refocused by asking myself these three questions. And I want to leave them with you. Hopefully, you will find them useful too. Are you busy meeting with the rabbis? Have you been healed? I don't know what stage you are in. What keeps you at the pool? May God bless each one of us as we ponder and keep our focus on Christ.